In today's show, we look at trades, fantasy basketball trades, buy lows, sell highs. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. When look at buy lows and sell highs. Do you need to trade for a buy low player? No. Do you need to trade away a sell high player? No, you don't. But you need to look to see whether you can actually extract any value in a deal. If you can get a buy low player for a guy that's worth three, four rounds less, you do it. If you can sell a guy at the peak of his powers, you do it. Otherwise, you enjoy the ride or you just let that other player stay on the other team. Simple as that. These are not, this is not exhaustive. This is not the only five players who are buy lows or the only five players who are sell highs. And your league format and league position is a part of what this is as well. And I can't tell you what that is for every situation. But these are just five names on each side of things, five underperformance, five overperformers that we need to have a look at and see if there's anything that we can do with it. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> First of all, let's go back two weeks to the week nine show and recap how we did on that. Okay, so we had the buy lows as Humpty Dumpty Benedict Matherin. He was 291st. Since then, he's improved to 190th. Well, like we said on that show, he was not a 12-team league player, but in deeper leagues, there's a buy-low opportunity. He obviously improved, nowhere near 12-team value, and I don't think he is, but he did improve. And the same goes for Jaden Ivey, who was 266th when we did this show two weeks ago. And in the ensuing two weeks, he's moved up to 172nd in that time. The same story, not a 12-team category league player, but there was going to be improvement. And we saw that. And they, they are guys that you can stash, in 12-team leagues if you are in a strong position and waiting for them to improve their game January, February. They may or may not, but there is a chance that they do. But if you're looking for uh, current short-term value, then they don't have it for 12s, but they're deeper league guys. The Chris Middleton one has not worked out at all. He was a buy low back then and he's gotten worse and gotten injured again. That's really rough. Now, I'm not going to include him today on the buy-low section because I still believe that he is a significant buy-low because you can get him for nothing, really. People are dropping Chris Middleton in some spots. So that means you can get him for a cheap price. Now, it is really troubling how poorly he played, but more importantly, the knee problem, which has kept him out for about five or six straight games. But that was bad. He was 205th and he's 238th since then, but missed a bunch of time too. Had Scotland Barnes as a buy-low. He was 134th. And he's actually 93rd over the last two weeks, despite some real stinkers in there. I think 70 to 90 is probably a realistic range for him rest of season. Not top 40, not top 50, but you were able to extract a little bit of value if you bought low on him. And then uh, De'Aaron Fox. He basically hasn't changed. He's gone from 120th to 119th. After that red hot start, which was the most obvious sell high I've ever seen, he... Um, He's sort of dropped way off. Now, I think there's still improvement here. I'm not going to include him as a buy low today, but I still think he's going to be better than this. I'm sure he's going to be better. 
On the sell high side, I had Don Mitchell. He was 11th. Since then, he's 33rd. We had him about between 30 and 40 in the pre-draft or the preseason process. And yeah, he's obviously exceeded that value on the back of extraordinarily high assist numbers early in the season, but then shooting percentages, and they've all come back to earth. And that's what's caused him to drop off. And that was, I thought, predictable. The wave pool to Anthony Melton was 36th. He's gone down to 78th. You've, the sell high window maybe is still open because Maxi still isn't back, but I reckon you've probably missed that chance. You had to do it a little bit before Tyrese returned, before you could really extract value from Melton. Now, there are still people sitting and hanging on and go, well, maybe maybe Melton keeps starting and they bench Maxi or they bench Tucker, but the people who are really hanging on to that are the people that have Melton, not the people trying to acquire him. Not saying whether we drop Melton, because we don't. We just hold and see what happens. But your sell-high window, it would have worked, but I don't think it does now. Josh Giddy somehow improved. He was 37th, and I said, okay, I don't think he can do that. He's like a top 70 player. Well, he's 32nd since I said that. I think that even further amplifies the sell-high on Giddy. but he has really, really improved. The shooting is better. We, you know, we know we're going to get rebounds and assists from him. Um, yeah, good stuff. Boyan Bogdanovich was 43rd. He's moved to 104th. He's been up and down all season. We know this. It is so much as based on shooting. He has hot streaks and cold streaks. The minutes and usage are all pretty solid. He dropped off. While Brogdon was also an obvious one, I thought. 70th um, two weeks ago. He's 172nd in the time since then. His minutes in the last three games have been under 20. And I do think he's a very soft 12-team hold. But I just don't know because White's been getting the minutes. Brogdon's have dropped. Sometimes Brogdon will get it. Sometimes White won't. Like, it'll be all over the place. And then Rob Williams is back to squish everything as well. More on Rob Williams a little bit later in the show. But the sell high on Brogdon, if you've got a top 100 player back, I think you'd be pretty happy with being able to pull that off. Let's look at a buy low. And let's start here in Memphis. Got a couple of Memphis players for us to talk about today. The first one of those that we're going to talk about is Des Bain. And the really obvious thing before you start screaming it is, I know. I know he's been back for only two games. I know that. I know he only played 24 minutes in those two games. I know that. I'm aware of that. But people are weird. So I looked at his ranking. went, okay, so Desmond Bain, since he returned, is 274th per game. 173rd in points leagues. He averaged just 20.6 fantasy points. His season number is 35. That's obviously bad. And I was debating whether to put him on this buy low show. So I thought, okay, let's go to the Yahoo trade market and see. Is anyone actually, like, how they feel that? First trade on the list, Desmond Bain traded for Marcus Smart. Went, oh, okay. So that's what we're doing. Oh, Desmond Bain traded straight up for Kyle Kuzma. Oh, okay. So we really don't know what we're doing with Desmond Bain, with Desmond Bain here. Okay. That's good to know. Desmond Bain traded for Scotty Barnes. Huh. Okay. Again, we don't seem to know what we're doing. And having that sort of... Desmond Bain traded straight up for Jamal Murray. Okay, I can maybe see the argument in that one. But there are some wild trades here. Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks for Kelly Oubre and RJ Barrett. What the hell is that trade? Like, not everyone knows what they're doing, clearly, playing fantasy. And, and that's fine. We all have different evaluations. But I thought I'd go in here. No one would have traded Bain. Yeah, he's playing so poorly. No one would believe that he is going to be this bad. But they do. So there you go. He's up 13% since he returned. He's a 41% from three. He's a 41% shooter this season. He shot 36% from two. He's a 47% shooter this season. This is a top 50 player and your buy low window is not going to stay open long. And in, in a lot of leagues, it's not even open at all because people aren't, most people aren't that reactive. But some are. Obviously, some are. 
There are wild trades going down. He's being traded left, right, and center. And the value of it is very um, suspicious, suspiciously low. So I think there's some real value in getting big old Des Bain at a cheap price. He is a top 50 player. Do not give up a top 50 player. Give up a top 70 player, a top 80 player, a top 90 player, okay, apparently based on some of those trades, and see if you can get yourself a bargain right there. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy, and it's daily fantasy made easy. It's so easy to do, in fact. You don't have to create a lineup with a salary cap. They just have their player projections, and you just go in, look at them, and say, okay, I think this player will have more or less than that. You'll have Desmond Bain. They might set it at three and a half threes, and you go, I think you'll have less than three and a half threes. Put that in. And then you go in and look at, say, Chris Middleton, and say, over, well, you're 10 and a half points. Do you take more or less than that? Well, at the moment, you probably take less, but yeah, in general, I'll take more. And you get two to six of those individual player projections, put them together into one entry, and you can win up to 25 times your entry fee back. It's simple. You can do it in under 60 seconds. Payouts are safe and fast as well. And those payouts and those entries can be done in over 30 US states and in Canada. But you know what? It's not just the NBA. You can do NFL, NHL, college basketball, college football, MMA, boxing, golf, soccer, cricket, and of course, of course, disc Golf. So download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Let's go to Portland. Anthony Simons. Now, I have banged and banged you know, I've banged on the drum as well about Anthony Simon saying, hey, when Lillard's out, sell high. And he struggles when Lillard is there. And I feel like that's almost inarguable at this point, yeah? I don't think we can really have an argument about the fact that Simons is a back-end sort of guy when Lillard is there and a top 40 player when Lillard is out. The arguments or the evidence for that is relatively irrefutable. I'm not using scientific method on that, but it's, it's, it's pretty clear. I also think there's a little bit of a buy low here for Simons because he's 154th in the last two weeks, 123rd in points leagues. He's averaging under 25 fantasy points, but for the season, he's averaging 31. And there are a few reasons for this. And some of it is little, some of it isn't. Usage is down. That's fine. He's only playing 33 minutes though. And for the season, he's at 36. Now, why is that a Lillard factor that he's playing so few minutes? I don't think so. And there, it's because there was this little weird stretch where he had... There was a blowout against Dallas. He played 24 minutes, then 33, then 35, then 30 in four straight games. But the last two games, he's played 39. But that skewed his overall number, and it skewed his overall production down. He's also not getting any assists. Now, some of that is a Lillard factor for sure, averaging just 2.7 assists versus 4.1 for the season. So while we don't expect him to be a five or six assist player, as he can be when he is running as the point guard, yeah, three to four is not, it's not a crazy ask. And while 2.7 to 4.1 doesn't seem like a big difference. It is. It moves from a marginally positive in the assist category to a marginally negative. And when you're moving a single category with a Z score, standard score of over 0.5, which is what that swing is, it's like a 0.65 swing between those two numbers, that is actually significant. That might move you five to 10 spots, especially when you push down towards the bottom of the rankings. A point that sort of change can actually influence your ranking quite a bit. And then you throw in a bunch of other things. Now, he's a great free throw shooter for sure. He's hitting 89.5% this season on three attempts. 
But when you don't get there, and he's not getting there, he's averaging 1.4 attempts per game over the last seven games. Then the impact of that is reduced. It's still a positive, but it goes from being a strong positive to a weak positive. And that takes away another 10, 15 spots. So some of that is usage. Some of that is Lillard, him not getting to the line. But 1.4 is extraordinarily low. Like it's just, he's never, he's never going to be a high, high free throw attempt player. But get to two, get to 2.3. Like that's possible without Lillard. Get your assist to 3.3. And these are small, small changes. Get the 33 minutes back to averaging 36. And then that means your 18 points can push back to 20. So while he's not the same guy when Lillard is there, clearly, he's not this player. He's not an unrosterable 12-team league guy, which is what that category rank suggests over the last two weeks. He's a guy that should be able to average 21, who should be able to get you know, three to four assists, you'd hope. And you know, that, that puts him into a spot where maybe you can get a buy low here. Again, Bilo is not a top 75 player for Simons. It's a top 110. It's a couple of back-end guys. It's the, the manager who's frustrated with having him when you go in there and, and try and just pry someone who's shooting poorly and not really producing any peripheral numbers, which is where we're at with him. Let's go to Memphis again. Should have put that in a different order, shouldn't I? And let's talk about uh, Demetrius Morant because things are... Things are struggling. Well, things are struggling. That's not good English. Things are not going great for Morant at the moment. He's the 146th ranked player over the last two weeks, Jar is, in category leagues. Now, in points leagues, the impact is not as big. But he's still 36. This is a guy who's rolling as like the 12th ranked player for the season. But he's 36th over the last two weeks. As you can see, 39 fantasy points versus 46. It's a big difference. So what's happening? What's going on with Jar? Why are we in this position where his numbers are so, so far down? He's averaging under 30 minutes a night. That's where you start. And that's because he got ejected in one game. There was a blowout where they beat the Bucks by 40, where he played 26 minutes. And there was a blowout where they beat the Suns by 25, where he played 28 minutes in the last five games. So there is an easy drop down. But it's, it's not just that. It's not as simple as saying, well, minutes are down, therefore production's down. That's a part of it. He's also shooting horrifically. 24% from three as opposed to 33 from the season, and under 66 from the line, as opposed to 73. Now, we know in category leagues that when fantasy ranks come out at the start of the season, you're going to ignore Jarks. He's going to be ranked at 12 or 13, and it's stupid. It's ridiculous. You want nothing to do with him there because of his low-volume threes, low-volume steals, poor field goals, poor free throws. All right, But that's taken it to an extreme. 24% shooting from three, 66 from the line. That is going to improve. Like It, it has to improve. So while Jar isn't a top 50 player this season in category leagues, I do think he can get back to being a top 50 player, but I, I'm 100% sure he's not going to be outside the top 100. And you're never going to get a trade for him of equivalent like top 100 player. Like, it's not going to happen. But there is a little bit of a drop-off here. So when you are considering Jar and certain punts and points league situations, understand that the value is probably the lowest it's been this season with a lot of these things dropping off, the lower minutes, the piss-poor shooting from every aspect of the court. And that will improve, and that will bump the value up. So even if you can extract for, in a points league especially, is a top 12, top 13 player. If you can get him for a top 20 player, that's a win. All right, this is the time to strike. And if you can't get him, oh well. You just leave it. You don't have to go and get Jar Morant. He does have the inbuilt injury risk there as well, but you don't have to go and get him. Let's look at Miles Turner. 
115th over the last two weeks, 97th in points leagues. He's averaging 27 fantasy points versus 34. And I'll tell you where, this is this is so easy. He's averaging one block a game over the last two weeks. One block. You know what you have him for? Right, blocks. He's averaging one. Numbers are way down. He's at 2.1 for the season. Numbers have been slowly declining, and he's not that guy. And I, how, how many times, if you're a long-time listener to this show, how many times have I talked about guys when people go, well, Miles Turner, he wins your blocks on his own. Yeah, back a couple of years ago, he averaged 3.4 blocks. I go, okay, that's great, but it's just not real. Look, he can still have a great season and average two blocks, and you've lost 30, 40 ranking spots of value because he's gone from unbelievable absolute peak to still very good. And blocks are such a volatile category, not as volatile as steals, but they're still volatile, that now he's down from 2.1 to 1, then the value disappears. And then he's compounded that by having under 17% usage, he's at 20 for the season, and compounded it further by shooting 47% from the line when he's a 76% guy. Now, I don't know whether Miles Turner, who's the 35th ranked player, can remain as a top 40 player. That's on the back of two blocks. If he's a 1.5 blocks player, he's a top 60 player. But I know he's better than this. And it's not just the blocks, it's usage and free throw percentage, which is bringing him down as well. So maybe he isn't a 34 fantasy point player. Maybe he's a 30 or a 31, but there's still room to maneuver in there. And you might have the panic of someone thinking, oh, Turner's going to get traded. He's going to lose his value. Um, and you can you can sneak in a little bit there. I don't expect, you know, watching Miles Turner, I don't go, well, yeah, this is him. He's a one block per game player, easily. Like he blocks, you know, the same shots as Derek White. Like we don't look at him that way. So even if he doesn't get back to 3.4 or 2.8 or even 2.1, he can get back to 1.7 or 1.8 and that already bumps him 30, 40 spots pretty pretty quickly, I would say. Today's episode is also brought to you, if I can get it up on the screen, it's also brought to you by betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football, college bowl season, the NBA, college basketball, it's all there at betonline.net. We've got all of the week 17 odds, and unfortunately for me, the Miami Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa is out with concussion. And we need to win to make the playoffs because we've choked away losing the last four games straight. And now we're underdogs against the New England Patriots on New Year's Day. Are we going to take a fifth out in a row? God, I hope not. I cannot deal with having that sort of annoyance. At least my son's team, the Chargers, have qualified for the playoffs now. So we've got some level of NFL joy in our house. But all the odds for Week 17 in the NFL are up over at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Uh, You're going to be shocked tonight. I'm going slowly here. Let's go to another buy low player. This one is the Rock DJ, Robbie Williams. 128th player since he returned, 182nd in points leagues. He's averaging under 20 fantasy points. Last season, he averaged 33. Now, let's scrap that. He's not averaging 33 fantasy points. I don't think there's any way that's happening. And this is one of the reasons why I was pretty avoidant of drafting Rob Williams. I, I thought he'd be back. I thought he's come back probably a week before I expected, maybe two weeks before I expected. But the minutes ramp up would be a concern. And would they even need to push him to those 30 minutes a game that he played last season? Well, at this point, no. They don't have to. But he's also... A, I don't. What happened? Like he played 22 minutes against the Pacers on December 21st. Then on Christmas he played 14. Oh, that is a step backwards. That I don't think is a knee injury recovery thing. He also only had two rebounds in that game. 
But I do think that there is clear buy low value here. And part of the reason you can buy low is he's going to rest on back-to-backs. Now, this might take four weeks for Williams to get back to an, even a scarier of value. So you've got to be in a stronger position in your league. But it has not been an encouraging start. The way they used him is definitely discouraging. Um, he's also not hitting his free throws. He's at 50%. But really, what he's done in these four games isn't really the reason why he's a buy low. It's, it's the minutes, but it's also just the fact that the Celtics are going so well that the general consensus is, well, they just don't need him to play those big minutes. And I do tend to agree. But that means you can get him, I think, at a discounted deal. You don't have to pay. This is a guy, again, if you you worship at the altar of turnovers, he was a guy that was a top 15 player last season in category leagues, which is obviously ridiculous, right? He wasn't a top 15 player, but that's where he was. But look, if I look at trades that have gone down over the last 24 hours, Robert Williams for Dylan Brooks. Seriously? Robert Williams for DeAnthony Melton. My guys, are you okay? Like, what are these deals? That That's... That's that's, and this trade feels like cheating. But Robert Williams and Mikael Bridges for Victor Oladipo and Isaiah Stewart. Now that's clearly cheating. What about in a keeper league? Rob Williams and an eighth round pick for Brandon Clark and a seventh round pick. Is that cheating? Feels like it. But or is, is that just where people are viewing him? The top four trades on Yahoo's trade market are just insanely low. Rob Williams and Victor Oladipo for Tom Bryan and Dante Divincenzo. What? Rob Williams and Des Bain for Mikhail Bridges and Lou Dort. Is everyone okay? Like you, This is, again, it's a small sample. It's a small selection here. But what is, what? It might take a bit of time, but there is clear value in getting Rob Williams. Clear, because that people are valuing him like nothing. They value him at Dylan Brooks. Okay. Let's go to sell highs. Let's go to Dallas. Let's go to a big man. Let's go to the crucifix. Christian Wood. Yes, he is starting. The last the last game he had was the best game he's ever had. 30 and 8, 7 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks, 2 threes. 38 minutes. 38 minutes does not mean he, that's what he plays as a starter because the two games prior, 28 and 27. All right? But he's on a real... And look, he had 8 and 5 in one of those games and 12 and 5 in the other, which is hardly exciting. But what is happening is some other interesting stuff. He's at 41 fantasy points. He's 17th in category leagues over the last two weeks, Christian Wood. 28th in points leagues. He's averaging 2 blocks a game. Now, he had a stretch where he just never blocked shots. He's at 0.9 for the season. But over his last six, seven games, here's the, the, the block numbers. Two, four, two, 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 two. It's pretty good. It's pretty good numbers. Is it real? I don't know. Is Christian Wood ever likely to be a two-block-per-game player? I don't think so. Hasn't really shown that at all at, ever, at any point. He's also hitting 68% of his twos. Now, he's not a bad efficiency guy there, but that's still six percentage points higher than where he is for the season and like 10, 12 percentage points higher than where he was last season. He's also a guy that struggled from the free throw line. He was at 62% last season, 63 the year before that. And in the last seven games, he's at 77%. So there's minutes up, blocks doubled, field goal percentage and two-point percentage way up, and hitting his free throws. And people will tie overall ranking because they don't always look at the details. Or they'll look at fantasy points and go, well, it's because he's starting now. It's, it's easy. It's because he's starting. Yeah, but it is, but it isn't. Like starting doesn't make you hit your free throws. Starting doesn't make you block shots at a higher permanent rate than you've done at any other point in your career. 
Starting doesn't mean that you hit two point percentage. Your two point percentage goes up. Maybe it does because you're playing with Doncic more, but you're still overlapping enough with Doncic. Starting doesn't mean you're playing 38 minutes a night because you did it on one game on Christmas that everyone watched. So, if I could get a top 40 player for Christian Wood, or maybe a top 30 player, top 40, I don't know. I, there is a chance he's a top 50 player this season. There is a chance of that. I would, if I could get him a top 30 guy for Chris Wood, Chris Wood, how stupid does that sound? If I get a top 30 player for Christian Wood, uh, I would do it. Let's talk about another guy who's ranked in a similar spot. Everyone has a hero. True. Zero people shouldn't have a hero. Tyler Hero is the 18th ranked player over the last two weeks. He's 35th in points leagues. He's averaging almost 40 fantasy points versus 36 for the season. Obviously, a significant difference. Why? What's happening? Well, he's playing 39 minutes, so that's obviously ridiculous. Is that a sustainable number long-term? I don't think so. 35, 36, no problem. But three minutes difference is three minutes difference. He's also benefiting from the fact that every Heat player seems to be out every single game, whether it's Martin or Butler or Lowry or Bam or um, Struess or Oladipo or Deadman or someone. There's always somebody out, and it was him that was the one who was out at the start of the season. So he's benefiting there. He's also hitting over five threes per game. And I'm sorry, there's one man who hits five threes per game and he's not Tyler Hero. He's, is he doing it on a high percentage? 43% is pretty high, right? But it's not crazy, but hitting 43% of threes on over 12 attempts per game is a number that just does not feel sustainable. Well, he's not sustainable. He's just, he's never been anywhere close to that. He hit 2.7 threes a game last season. He's at 3.3 this season. So he's on a real heater there. And his overall efficiency is at 64% true shooting. And you say, well, he's taken the leap. Yeah, but he hasn't because he's at 59 for the season, which is great. It's above average. He's been really good. But this is a very, very hot streak. Very hot streak on the back of insane three-point volume, insane three-point shooting, insane minutes. He also hasn't missed a free throw. He's a great free throw shooter, but he hasn't missed a free throw. And you miss one or two, and that drops you a little bit there as well. Now, I think Hero is a top 50 player as we move forward. But if anyone wants to give you top 25 for him, or in a points league top 40 for him, I'd do that no problem. I just think there's minutes, the shooting, the three-point volume, it is going to come down. This one should be self-evident, but it might not be. Mo Wagner. Now, I held. I wasn't going to put this one in, but when I was you know, looking at this stuff earlier in the week, so you know, Wendell Carter's coming back, we know he's back. They started Mo Wagner over Wendell Carter as Carter worked his way back. So, I can, and you can look at Mo's season-long numbers. He's averaging 27 minutes a night. But you got to remember, basically, he didn't start to play until Carter was out because he was injured himself. He's been awesome. He's averaging 31 fantasy points over the last two weeks. He's averaging 28 minutes. He's shooting 55 from the field versus 49 for the season. He hasn't missed a free throw in these last two weeks on good attempts. I think he's a really good player. He's a top 90 player for the season. Top 34 over the last two weeks, 75th in points leagues. But those 28 minutes are going to be almost impossible to sustain. Is he a better player than Mo Bumba? Yeah, I do believe he is. And will he be the backup over Bumba? Yeah, I, I also believe that. But I don't think he's going to play 28 minutes while Carter plays 19 coming off the bench. But we saw one game of it, so people can get sucked in. They can and if I look at deals for him on the, the trade market, straight up for Vooch, that's, that's crazy. Like that, that is a crazy deal. Straight up for Melton. I think I'd much rather Melton there, to be honest. I think there's more of a chance of Melton sustaining value as we move through long-term. But he is being like, 
valued at a higher rate than I, th- than I thought. I thought everyone would just start to drop him, but I'm not sure they will. If I could get any, like he's 34th, if I could get any top 100 player for Wagner, any top 120 player for Wagner, I would do it. I think he's solid. I think he's pretty good. And I think if he's on the waiver wire, you add him and you roll with it. But if I can get something good back in a deal, like you've maybe got a day or two, I reckon, to probably try and pull that off. Let's go to Aaron Gordon, who's been great. Absolutely exceeding any expectation that I had, which is not hard because I didn't really have expectations for him at all. This is a guy that's never been a solid fantasy player really at all, and he's dominating at the moment. 43rd over the last two weeks in points. It's in category, sorry, 44th in points. Averaging 38 fantasy points versus 32 for the season. His usage is up. Some of that you'd suggest was due to some absences to the headmaster and to Maga Porter Jr. 24 usage versus 21 for the season. But it's not just that. He's playing an extra two minutes per game. He's averaging 20 points over his last six games, up from 17. But he's not doing it on like crazy efficiency because his field goal percentage is actually down. He was at 61. He's down to 59.5. So it's not that. He is hitting 42% from three. And I know Aaron Gordon. I do not trust that. His last three seasons, 34, 34, 31. He's a 39% shooter this season from three, which is great. He's made improvements. But there is still a risk of a drop-off coming. But the other thing that's happened is he's averaging 1.5 steals over the last six games. And he was at 0.9 for the season. Like that, that is, again, this has why steals are volatile. 0.6 steals per game is not a big difference. It's one steal every two games. It's not a big difference. But it is in fantasy. The value proposition there moves you from literally bang on average. 0.9 steals is the average number. 1.5 is like a one standard score above, which means you're in the top 33rd third percentile or whatever it is. So that's you know, one steal extra every two games moves you from being average to being... Th- you know, not 67th percentile. And you, you lose, you don't get that one steal extra in those two games and then you drop back down to average and then your 43rd ranking goes to 70th. He's 73rd this season. I think he's a clear top 100 player moving forward. I think he's been unbelievably impressive and you know, I, I, playing off Nikola Jokic, he knows where to be, he knows how to play and that's laudable. I just, I just don't know if that level of scoring, that level of um, steal rate is actually something that's long-term possible for Aaron Gordon. It might be. It might be. But I'm not convinced that it is. And the last guy we take a look at here. Jonas Vasilinovansas. Jonas is the 48th ranked player over the last two weeks. 62nd in points leagues, averaging 33 fantasy points. He's at 28 for the season. Why is this the case? Well, it is really, really straightforward. Over the last two weeks... The following players have missed time. Zion Williamson, three games. Herb Jones, one game. Brandon Ingram, every game. Larry Nance, three games. Trey Murphy, one game. The two most important ones there are Zion and Nance being out. So that's three games Zion, three games Nance. And that enabled him to push those minutes up. And then he did the thing that happens, the triple whammy. Jonas Valanciunas, in that time, in those last seven games, has shot 92% from the line. He's an 82 guy last season. He's an 84 guy this season. You take yourself up from being good to excellent, but then you play three extra minutes per game because those guys are out. Rebounding hasn't been the problem. Like He's been good at that all season, but he's averaging now 17 points in 27 minutes over the last two weeks. But those 27 minutes, that's the fraudulent part of it because we know that when these other guys were healthy, 
19 minutes, 18 minutes, 14 minutes, 20 minutes, 17 minutes, 22 minutes, 23 minutes. If Zion's there, they don't like to play those guys together much. So the 48th ranked player, JV, great. Where is he for the year? 94th. I think I had him in the 80s in the pre-draft process. And I think that if you could trade that 48th ranked player away for a top 70 guy, you might not be able to. Like, I reckon might be a bit harder, but like a Yucca Pirtle, for example, I, I think I'd rather Pirtle than Valanciunas. Target someone who is struggling a little bit, but there is going to be a drop-off here from Valanciunas because the last two weeks, no Nance, no Williamson for over half that time. And that's enabled the more minutes, a little bit more usage, and the the uh, better opportunities. And then he's also added better free throws, and he's got more steals, which has got nothing to do with Zion or Nance's absence. But he's gone from point seven, point four, which is putrid, to point seven, which is below putrid, but still helps. So I think there is some real value in trying to get off of Valanciunas when those or before those players return, which is probably as early as next game. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.